and welcome to Cloud Insiders, the podcast that brings cloud down to earth, brought to you by Extrovert. Today is a tech focus episode where we bring you the tools, tips, and tricks to make your life in the cloud easier. Today we are talking about VMware's vRealize Automation 8. We are joined by Sam Perrin from Extrovert's Cloud Automation Practice. Hi, Sam. Oh, yeah. So, what can you tell us about VRA8? Uh, so it's recently been released as an on-premises version of cloud automation services, uh, which is actually now called vRealize Automation Cloud. So that was born as a SaaS offering by VMware to go side by side with their VMC on AWS sort of offering as well. But yeah, now it's on-premises, um, complete redesign compared to version 7. Because it has been a big rewrite, infrastructure-wise, it's now all container-based. So we can get rid of the Windows IaaS box, and we deploy the appliance now through an easy installer. And that easy installer well, deploys your lifecycle manager. And then that lifecycle manager then deploys your vRealize automation appliance and your identity manager appliance. And it does that within an hour or so now, compared to a whole day or whatever it used to be with, with previous versions. As you say, it's just been released and there's been quite a lot of hype. Do you reckon it's living up to the hype? Is it still the best thing since sliced bread? <laughs> There's, there's a lot of stuff missing. If you, if you, if you compare the features from seven to eight, uh, there, there's things missing, which I think bigger enterprises will probably be impacted on, maybe. From a new thing and a new toy and all that sort of stuff, it's, it's, so far it's been awesome. It's just, it kind of, for me, it's reignited like the kind of excitement around the VRA appliance, really. It's completely fresh. It's, all done within the portal, HTML5, no Flash or whatever it used to be, or uh, JavaScript. So the VRO client itself is now also in a HTML5 portal. Okay. So that came about in 7.6, but now, yeah, it's fully HTML5 now in 8. You can get to the VRO appliance through the same kind of portal and manage it all through there. You can see the runs, workflow runs. It's all kind of integrated, and it just seems a lot more streamlined than what it has been in the past. Yeah. So you said that it's kind of missing a couple of features that maybe you would have got with VRA7. Do you reckon that's going to cause people to delay moving a little bit or do you reckon they'll still jump on it because shiny new and containerized? Yeah, sh well, yeah, sh shiny new. Uh, there's a lot of hype from VMware about it and, and rightly so. Container thing is, well, we know it's massive at the moment and the fact that they've kind of utilized those, well, it's just kind of built on Kubernetes, the fact they've utilized that for this, it makes the whole scaling out side of things a bit simpler. The infrastructure is now more, I suppose, tightly contained, makes things a bit simpler from a, from a deployment point of view. No, I don't, I don't think it's going to stop people at all. Okay. I think they're still going to move across and they'll kind of work around those missing features as and when it comes against it. Okay, so we've kind of said what you can't do or suggested there's things that you can't do, but what can it do? What can you do now that you couldn't do before? I guess the biggest thing is, well, the one that I've come across is the cloud agnostic blueprints. Mm -hmm. So previously you would have to maybe create a blueprint that deployed to AWS or one to Azure and then one to your on-premises vSphere. Now in those blueprints, you can just drag on this cloud agnostic canvas item, mm -hmm. set your configuration on that and using constraints, you can deploy the same blueprint to AWS, Azure, vSphere without having to then redevelop or re-clone yeah. or whatever you need to do for various blueprints. It makes the whole management a lot easier. And you can also then, in that cloud agnostic stuff, you've got the compute, which is obviously your virtual machine, uh, your network and your storage. So those those three kind of features, 
you can go to any cloud and it just makes things a lot simpler for you. You've got, I suppose what, what we can do before, it's, it's a lot more event-based now. Previously you would, you would create a, like a custom property and that custom property would then trigger these event-based subscriptions in VRA. Now what you do is you, you create your subscriptions again, but you can then link those subscriptions to actions or workflows and you're, you trigger them through various things in your blueprint. So for example, in our blueprint, we could create a, a tag and that tag could be get IP address or mm -hmm. that tag could be deployed to production or run Ansible. And those three tags link to different subscriptions. So those subscriptions are then filtering based on data that comes into them. And if those three things match, it will run different events and workflows to do different things. Okay. Um, so then you could go back into the workflow once it's deployed, edit your tags, add another tag in there to let's say maybe deploy a website in simple terms. That new tag will then trigger another event and it will just run. So it's it's the way it's structured, it's, it's very kind of nice and streamlined. Although it's, again, that's quite a big change to get your head around. Yeah. Um, but when you do, it's, it's you can see the potential there. I was going to say, I mean, the way you explained it makes it sound like it's a whole lot easier to use and it's just kind of like, someone changes requirements, you literally just go back to that stage and say, right, that more tag, that new tag. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, a challenge with it has been the fact that it's obviously so new, there is not a lot of documentation out there. Mm. So trying to find references on how to do things um, is quite a challenge. So there in VRA, you've got the ABX components, which is the action-based extensibility sort of modules. Okay. They use two different runtimes, which is Python and Node.js. Quite a bit of the VMware documentation has examples with Python and a few of the people you can talk to at VMware, they all sort of suggest using Python and things, yeah. which is cool, but I'm used to Node.js from a, I suppose, application point of view. Trying to find examples of how that's been used in ABX has been a challenge. Yeah. So things such as like your, your async await or your, your callbacks and stuff, getting those to work, as you would expect in your app that you've developed, and then ABX, there's, there's differences. So it's just, that's the biggest challenge I've had so far is, is working out what is actually possible yeah. in those actions. Yeah, so when I, it, before I record one of these things, you know, I try and research and it, there is just not a whole lot out there at no. the moment, is there? No, there isn't. Yeah, especially for a simpleton like me, trying, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get your ducks in a row, it's pretty tricky. So I mean, going beyond just um, VRA7 to VRA8, what did we used to do before automation, way back in the day? Before VRA happened, was it just pen, paper, and? <laughs> I guess you had things like PowerShell, um, Bash scripts, um, that kind of stuff. That was, I suppose, early early automation. Um, now it's more focused around sort of the user. Yeah. Making it easier for the user, so you would, yeah, give them a portal or something where they can request what they want, that kind of thing. So that's, I think, that's the biggest thing that VRA enables in regards to automation, but. Before that, yeah, like I said, scripts, or you just did stuff manually through a GUI or a CLI and, and yeah. just documented things, backed up your config and hope things didn't go wrong. Whereas now we can kind of, we can treat the infrastructure as uh, disposable and recreate it when we need to. Yeah. yeah. Can everyone take advantage of VRA8? I mean, what's its use cases? And Yeah, uh, definitely. If an organization is looking to do automation and do it in a controlled way, VRA8 is definitely a tool that needs to be looked at. Um, in terms of use cases, you've got multi-cloud. As I said, around the whole agnostic stuff, you can now go to Azure, AWS, on-premises environments. Um, you've got the whole DevOps side of things. So now, I suppose everything is 
or DevOps and IAC, I suppose everything is now kind of code-based, so you can just write out what you want and it'll give you that. So for example, on the canvas, you can drag items from the left into the canvas and on the right-hand side, you'll see the code equivalent of what you've dragged onto the canvas. Okay. So if you drag two or three machines on, on the right-hand side in, in your YAML code, you'll see two or three machines. And within those that within that code, you can then customize what you want. So you can change how, how many machines you do using the count. Um, you can apply custom properties. And those custom properties come back into the whole action-based stuff that I mentioned earlier. So yeah. you could have three machines on your canvas. Only two of them have a certain property which means those actions only run against those two machines. So that's, that's, a, that's a good use case, the whole DevOps, IAC type stuff where everything is now code-based. Um, and then ultimately you've got the whole Kubernetes cluster management as well. So you can, you can hook up VRA to your cluster and you can provision workloads into your Kubernetes cluster and, and manage stuff through there as well. Yeah. So there's some good use cases. And is there any kind of minimum requirement? I mean, you're saying how it's agnostic to clouds, but do you have to be running vSphere? It, obviously, so the, so the on-premises version is deployed into vCenter. So you obviously need, you need a few hosts, vCenter, that kind of stuff. Um, the standalone box is quite chunky. I don't know, what, I can't remember what the CPU count is requirements are, but memory-wise it needs 32 gig and, I don't know, maybe 200 gig of storage. Um, once it's deployed, yeah, it, that's just the VRA appliance. That's not including Lifecycle Manager and the identity manager that okay. it needs. So it's, it's quite chunky, um, but that I think they've, they've done it so it's that size, so that it covers, I suppose, 90% of the target audience in terms yeah. of enterprises and organizations and stuff. So yeah, they're, they're the minimum requirements. So yeah, a ton of RAM, <laughs> vCenter, vSphere. As I said earlier, you run this easy installer, which is an ISO-based installer. Um, that deploys all the requirements you need. DNS is the number one, so you'll see standard stuff. You need to have your DNS records set up already yeah but yeah it's pretty straightforward you don't you don't need to know any kubernetes management side of things i think if something goes wrong within the vra appliance from a kubernetes point of view that's where vmware support would come in and, and help you that kind of thing okay um from a consumer or, a, or an it point of view it's the same as any other ovf ova that you deploy so, from the point of view of an automation specialist, you know, the behemoth of genius that you are, <laughs> what are you most excited about in VRI8? Uh, I just like the fact that it's so focused around kind of the whole developer DevOps IAC kind of thing. Uh, the, API, the API that wraps around it all as well is just, just it feels so much more structured and planned compared to what it has been in the past. Where it's been rewritten, I think it's been rewritten in, in with that those things in mind. Consuming stuff is, I don't know, it just seems straightforward now. You haven't got to go through various different menus to kind of find some sort of convoluted relationship to some item you've deployed. It's kind of everything you need is is there. The way the way you de deploy to certain environments or with certain requirements is all straightforward. It's yeah, it's yeah. even like I know, even though I said there's no documentation, it's I don't know, it's, it's more focused, yeah, more user-friendly. Yeah, exactly, and it kind of just makes sense. Like you haven't got to kind of guess where something is because it's 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 just nicely made. They're UX UI guys, yeah, and yeah, just yeah, sat there going, well. "Yes, yeah, someone gets us." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's yeah. I think that's that's what I'm most excited about, and the fact it's all kind of the fact it was so easy to deploy. I think and. Yeah, it's just get rid of that Windows box as well. No reliance on that is, is yeah. good. So yeah. you say about the uh, the Windows box, 
which is a possible previous pitfall. Are there any pitfalls that, or things like that that people need to be aware of before going down the VRA8 route? Or? Yeah, um, I suppose if you're, if you're starting with automation, um, you're not necessarily gonna miss any features from the previous one, because you don't know what they are. You never yep. used it. <laughs> but We'll just say they weren't there. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think so from, from a new consumer point of view, pitfall-wise, documentation is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't a huge amount of it. Um, the guest OS customization type stuff now, so this uses this cloud, cloud init, cloud config type thing. Awesome when it comes to CentOS. I've not used it on Windows. I think you can kind of get some installer on Windows, which then allows you to use this cloud init config thing. Um, so that's different, whereas previous versions have used software components. I don't know if that's a pitfall, but it's, it's just very different. Yeah. Um, again, no documentation on it really. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's quite a challenge to find something to refer to. Um, existing customers, I guess the biggest pitfall is, is the feature parity. It's not there yet. Um, mm-hmm. A few enterprise kind of organizational features maybe around kind of your business groups and that kind of security divide, that's kind of missing to some extent in VRA8. You can kind of manage it through projects and in projects you can assign permissions and access to certain things and you can create policy-based access and that yeah. sort of stuff. So it's kind of there, but it's, it's very different to how it's been done in the past. Just a little cup of extra layers of waffle to get to where yeah, you want Yeah, I guess be. so, yeah. It's just I, I wouldn't go into it thinking that it's going to be exactly the same and a refreshed GUI or anything. It's, it's completely different. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you shouldn't expect to be able to go from your VRA 7X environment straight into 8, you kind of need to, I guess, gradually move bits over to that, redevelop it, rework it, get it working. So it's kind of using the ABX stuff with VRA 8 and, and things. So yeah, that's, yeah. So that's actually take me quite nicely onto the next one, which is how straightforward, if you were looking to treat it as an upgrade from 7 to 8, is there anything there um, how easy is it to deploy? Is yeah, so so if, if we touch on the deployment stuff, because I know we've mentioned it already, um, but if we go over it in a bit more detail, maybe. So when you when you want to start with VRA8, you download this ISO, which is about 10 gig in size. That ISO has a executable, which is an easy installer. So you run that, you then get a portal, and that portal asks for some key information. You, you fill it in. Press go basically, and first thing it will do is deploy you a lifecycle manager appliance automatically, and it will set it up. Mm-hmm. Once that's then deployed, the next step that it does again automatically is deploy your identity manager appliance. Mm-hmm. Once that's then deployed, you then it automatically deploys the VRA8 appliance and hooks them all up together. Um, so that's the easy installer. It takes about an hour, and it's literally you, you fill in this one form and press go, and it does it all for you. Uh, you can, I think, consume existing identity manager and lifecycle manager right. appliances, but if you haven't got any of those, then that's the way to do it. And I think VRA8 requires itself to be deployed via lifecycle manager. Right. So lifecycle manager, I suppose coming back to the minimum requirements, lifecycle manager is, is one of them. Okay. And then it deploys. Um, in regards to upgrades, there is no migration path that I'm aware of to go from 7.6 into 8. However, there is a migration assessment tool within the VRA appliance, okay. which kind of checks your existing workflows and tells you if they're good enough to be migrated or not. But I think that 
the scope of those or scope of that assessment is quite limited and it kind of relies on you doing stuff in a certain way within your existing workflows so if you've done anything complicated or out of the box that kind of thing it kind of might not assess it properly so right. yeah even though it might tell you it's okay or not i think they should still be individually Checked. assessed and then migrated and you do like a, mag a, a gradual move across i reckon i would, yeah don't don't expect to go immediately to eight and expect all your stuff to be there yeah, i would kind of across yeah migrate across i think it wouldn't surprise me if in later versions they come out with a proper migration tool which will get you from seven six whatever it is over to eight and future versions but at the moment it's not it's not there and yeah with your VMware hat removed in the richer world of tools, do you reckon there's anything that could be scripted or written to kind of take your VRA7s, run a bit of remediation, make sure there's anything <laughs> going for it, and then shift it across? Probably, but whether you'd want to, I don't know. I, I guess for me, it, it kind of, where, where VRA8 is so now kind of focused on this tag-based event-driven stuff for me it makes sense to kind of look at your existing things and migrate them into that new structure the abx vero kind of structure and, and associate that with subscriptions and tags and that kind okay. of thing um to do to do that automated i think it would be okay it would probably like just pull out your existing stuff and just bang it straight into vero and yeah. not necessarily take advantage of the new features and, and new capabilities. So yeah, although it probably is possible, from yes. what I've seen at the moment, I would probably look at rewriting stuff and taking that as an opportunity to tidy things up as well and actually look at how users consume those catalog items and blueprints and make them better at the same time. Yeah, like it, that's good <laughs> consumer advice that one. Um, I've tried to steer everywhere that I can with my limited uh, knowledge. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about VRA8 and the wonders that it's brought to your world? I would not be afraid of deploying it. I would just get it out there, um, play around with it. I think because it's, as we keep saying, it's such a such a change. It's it's one of those products where I think we now have the opportunity to deploy it separately to what we already have get it set up, get it working how we want it to work, um, and then assess whether it's gonna be fit for purpose in the business and, and then make a plan around moving across to it. Um, at the same time, if a customer has an investment in VRA already, whether that's version seven or eight, whether it's assuming it's seven, don't let the fact that eight is already out stop you deploying seven if that's what you have access to. Mm -hmm. there's, there's no, you should definitely get started with the automation and get people consuming stuff through VRA and then, yeah, manage that move across to eight when it comes to it perfect so kind of in summary we're saying that the vr8 big shiny it is the future don't be scared of it don't delay your move but if you are with seven and it's all you got to play with then yeah keep using it yeah keep, yeah keep making the most of it definitely and over time vmware as they always do will will work out a way of getting you from seven to the new shiny product so yeah yeah stick with it and uh, just in your expert opinion, how long do you reckon it'll take to get to feature parity with Seven? Not sure. I, I think a lot of it, because this is born out of the, the Visualize Automation Cloud, which is the, the SaaS product, that's getting a lot of innovation mm. quite a, a bit more frequently. Um, so we're probably going to see features in that first before we then get it on-premises. I don't know what their, their release cycle is going to be for on-premises, but 
I think if it comes out in the in the SaaS product, we're going to get it in the on-premises product. I, but I, yeah, I wouldn't like to put a date on on the feature parity stuff. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, again, it might not even be feature parity. It might just be a change in the way yeah. you do stuff. Um, I think, again, as time goes on, more documentation is going to come out around best practice and what you should and shouldn't do. So that's probably going to help a lot of people on board as well. Yeah. Well, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, I've already asked you if there's anything you'd like to add, and you added it. <laughs> so, Sam, if people would like to get hold of you, um, how would they go about doing that if they wanted to chat to you about VRA8 or anything about the wider automation sphere? Yeah, best place is probably, uh, well, two places. My Twitter, which is Sam underscore Perrin, P-E-R-R-I-N, or my extrovert email address, which is sam.perrin at extrovert.com. Brave man, that's about to get spammed like hell. <laughs> That's absolutely great. If anyone would like to reach out or follow me, I am CI underscore Stu on Twitter. You can follow Cloud Insiders at Cloud Insiders on Twitter. You can find us on iTunes or Spotify, and we're now on podcasts on Android. All of our old episodes are on YouTube. And if you want to find anything, you can find us on cloudinsiders.fm. If you've got any ideas for future episodes or you just want to say hi, then you can contact us on team at cloudinsiders.fm. Thank you so much for listening and I'll speak to you soon.